What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Two, two Welcome back to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're continuing to roll on through our Top 10 Prospects podcast series. And to do that today, we are breaking down the San Francisco Giants farm system. Josh Norris is here to join us to break down really an organization that's in a a completely different place than it was a year ago, Josh. This was a team that you saw what they had in the major leagues, an older club, some questions about how competitive they could be in the short term and a farm system that was promising, but the guys were a couple years away. So this looked like an organization that was building for the future. And then they surprised all of baseball last year. The return of Buster Posey after opting out was a big, big, big boost to this club. Kevin Gossman turned into a Cy Young candidate. And a lot of things happened, really, that I think a lot of people didn't anticipate in terms of player performance. They won 107 games last year, most of the major leagues. They fell to the Dodgers in the National League Division Series in a thrilling five-game set. But all of a sudden, this is an organization, Josh, now that is a 107-win team with a really good farm system that's a year closer to the major leagues. I mean, right now, obviously, you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Braves, all the usual suspects where you say, oh, yeah, this team is primed to contend for the next couple of years. The Giants have really put themselves in that echelon. Yeah, they they did really well for themselves. They surprised everyone, and they have this magic touch going on right now, where they can bring up, you know, sign guys who are fringy or whatever, maybe uh, afterthoughts seemingly, uh, and turn them into gold. And they signed Hunter Harvey. I fully expect him if they can keep him healthy. I fully expect him to be some sort of dominant force. The way they've been just making magic out of everything they do. <laughs> There's other guys I can't think of right now, but. Hunter Harvey comes to mind. Like he's, I'm sure he's going to pitch big innings for them at some point this year, just the way they have been going. Uh, Your, your, um, your Tyro Estrada's of the world, your Darren Ruffs, uh, those guys just have been becoming gold from straw. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing somebody else. Lamont Wade, those guys have just been (laughs) nails for them. You know, they've, they've done a really good job. So, uh, I don't know if they're going to win 107 games again this year, but they'll win a lot of games. Yeah, absolutely. We do have to note, of course, that Buster Posey retired, and that is a big, big, big loss. He was excellent on both sides of the ball last year and deserves a lot of credit for the pitching staff and how well they performed on the mound. But Brandon Belt had a bounce-back year. Brandon Crawford had a bounce-back year. Again, you talk about the Donovan Solanos of the world. Mike Yastrzemski, who actually had a down year last year, but Lamont Wade, Darren Ruff, Wilmer Flores. I mean, guys that they picked up you know, relatively on the cheap and turned into major contributors for them. And one of the other things that was really just kind of encouraging when you look at the Giants long-term is they had this season without trading away any of their top, top guys really beefing up at the deadline. They did go acquire Chris Bryant. They gave up Caleb Killian, who is looking like a very promising pitching prospect now in the Cubs system, as well as Alexander Canario, who's a power-hitting corner outfielder who has some promise. But for the most part, the guys who would have been top 10 prospects in this system pre-trade deadline are still in the organization that are top 10 prospects today. How do you kind of assess the state of the farm system right now, its strengths, its weaknesses, and overall where it stands among its peers? 
I mean, it's, it's a good farm system. I still, it's so silly to say, I still believe in Marco Luciano. He's had one full season. Uh, I know he had, uh, he kind of scuffled a little bit with Eugene last year, but he hit the daylights out of the ball in uh, San Jose. And he's still like 20 years old. He had 20, he'll be 21 in September. So this is a guy who looks like he could possibly be a franchise cornerstone type piece. I don't know if he's a shortstop, but guy's going to hit, I think. And some in the ace, there's a little bit of split on his hit tool, but dude's going to hit and <laughs> hit for power. Um, I think this year could be a really big deal for him. He's going to start in Eugene. And I think the power numbers are going to be interesting because that park uh, moved its fences in. So That'll be interesting to see. He'll lead a cavalcade of guys uh, at that particular um, affiliate. It's going to be stacked. Uh, Matos will be there. Luis Matos, who one of the best all-around prospects in their system. I have him three overall. He's got skills on, on the defensive side of the ball. He can hit for average. He can hit for power. There's some tweaks still to be made, but he's pretty good. Elliot Ramos kind of flies under the radar a little bit. He does a lot of he doesn't jump out at you for any, any one particular tool, but he'll be a big league contributor. And if the Giants uh, trend of getting the most out of their guys continues, well, you might get more than you expect from Elliott. And you know, there's, they've done a little bit better at getting in pitching into their system. Like uh, with last year's draft, they, they added Will Bednar from uh, Mississippi State and Matt Mikulski, you know, a, a dude from a lefty from Fordham who throws 102 miles an hour. Uh, with a funky delivery. So their pitching has started to get better. And that was one of the weak points of their system. Yeah, one of the things to note, this is a pretty young farm system still. Eight of their top 10 prospects have yet to play above the Class A levels. So it's not like there's a, a ton of guys who are going to come up en masse and really impact the team in 2022. But at the same time, there is a lot of talent in the major leagues, at least enough that we've seen the Giants have been able to get out of. Again, Buster Posey retired, Kevin Gossman left in free agency to sign with the Blue Jays. So there are some players they have to replace, but they signed Carlos Rodon, and there are still some some good players on both sides of the ball on this club. So in theory, they don't need to rush these guys up. They can let them take their time and still field a competitive team in the majors. I do want to dial in on Luciano a little bit. As you mentioned, the number one prospect in this farm system, a clear-cut top 100 prospect, a top 25 prospect overall. I do want to dial in a little bit on his hitting ability. As you mentioned, there are some split opinions there. It's a lot of the calls I made in the low West last year, which thank God is now the California League again. It, it was a lot of, you know, 40 hit 60 power, 45 hit 60 power. You were pretty bullish and put a, a much bigger number on his hitting ability in the prospect handbook. What were kind of the things you were hearing and overall, how do you kind of assess his pure contact skills? Because we, we agree it's massive, monstrous power. It's just a question of how much is he going to get to it? It's, it's going to be a matter of refining his swing decisions. And the Giants have done a really good job with that in the past. I will say, I think the biggest loss in their farm system this year uh, is Michael Berdar. He did a tremendous job. Their minor league hitting coordinator, I should specify, did a tremendous job with some of these organizations' hitters and was so sought after that the Padres put him on their big league staff. Now, this is a guy who, you know, was slated to be, I believe, if I remember this correctly, the Salem-Kaiser hitting coach in the ill-fated 2020 season then wound up as like the interim minor league hitting coordinator, then was the full minor league hitting coordinator last year, and now is a big league hitting coach. I think his, his ability to get the most out of guys um, will be missed a little bit, but I don't, I don't doubt the Giants' ability to evaluate and hire really good coaches. I'll say another tangent too, but same idea with Ethan Katz, 
the pitching guy that I had a couple of years ago, who's now on the big league staff with the White Sox. He worked wonders with some of their guys. So they've got a really good uh, coaching base, I guess is how I put it, uh, to help some of their guys get better. So, I mean, I, I'll go back to this. Again, it's, he didn't hit like nothing in the low, a, in, in low a West. 278, 373 is pretty darn good for a guy, again, in his first full season as a teenager. You know, this is a potentially special talent. It might take a little while, but I think there's the belief that the ceiling is as a plus hitter. And we, we say plus hitter, you know, we don't, we're not talking 310 anymore. We're talking like what, 260, 270 these days? 280 is generally where a plus hitter lies. Yeah. But even if it turns into an average bat and it's 260 with 30 home runs, that's a great player. You know, if it's 240 with 30 home runs, there's still a lot of guys like that in the major leagues playing every day. And I'll, I'll note too that, you know, we seem to be trending toward getting rid of the shift in the big leagues. That'll improve some guys' hit tools. Yeah. Well, one of the things with Luciano that's promising, and you see this not super often from really young hitters and really young power hitters in particular is he already has the ability to drive the ball hard the other way. It's a lot of easy power to right center, which is really, really impressive. One of the things that jumps out and speaks a little bit to his hitting ability. He's not just a pole lift guy. Defensively, the question's always been shortstop third base. He's just a bigger guy in general, a big power hitter type. What were some of the reviews on his defense in his first full season? He's okay there. I mean, I don't think he's going to stick there. Um, they'll probably have better candidates. He's, you're right. He's really big. He's, you know, just, it's one of those guys where maybe, maybe a, a, a 40 shortstop if everything works well, but he's going to have to work to get there. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but I would fully expect him to move to like third base or something um, where the bat will obviously play. Yeah, again, uh, 30 home run hitting third baseman is a really, really, really good player. Nothing that should be discounted or seen as a disappointment. Josh, a lot of attention is going to be on Joey Bart this year. As we mentioned, Buster Posey retired, potential Hall of Fame catcher, MVP award winner, three-time World Series winner, was just the heart and soul of the Giants. And again, the Giants performing as well as they did last year, coinciding with his return is not a coincidence. Um, You cannot overstate the impact Buster Posey had on this team, both in the lineup and what he did for that pitching staff. And now the page turns to Joey Bart. He was the second overall pick out of Georgia Tech back in 2018. Made his major league debut in 2020. He was not ready for it. A lot of young players were not ready for it. He had barely played above the Class A levels when they thrust him into the majors in an unusual season, to say the least. And, And it was just again, he was overwhelmed. A lot of young players were. It was not an accurate look at his talent and his ability level. Went back to AAA last year and did some things to kind of tighten up the strike zone a little bit, but there is still some swing and miss there. The defense is still coming along, and, and now he's probably going to be the Giants' opening day catcher. If not their opening day catcher, he should be their catcher for the majority of the year. What should Giants fans look for out of Joey Bart? And what's a fair expectation for him? Because again, expecting him to replace Buster Posey and be Buster Posey 2.0 is is just not fair and frankly should not be the expectation. No, it's not viable. It's not going to happen. Um, This is going to be a below average hitter with potential plus power. Although I will say he didn't, he hasn't done a good job of getting to it in any of his stints in the big leagues, short as they may be. Um, But there are holes in his swing and he, done an okay job closing them just hasn't closed them fully i expect this is a guy who's gonna hit you some bombs play better his defense has improved um and they've really worked with him on body language and 
establishing a better rapport with his pitchers. Um, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what what he can do. I, I think it's a it's going to be a good a good big league player. I don't know if I mean where he said it's not going to be Buster Posey, but in time Joey could be a really good big leaguer. You kind of hit on something there that we've talked a lot about internally and we've heard a lot about internally over the years. And at times we, we've kind of talked about it, but you know, you don't want to necessarily go completely overboard on it because you do see this with young players sometimes and sometimes they grow out of it. With Joey Bart's defense, the physical ability is there. Uh, his receiving drew good reviews last year. His blocking drew good reviews. He's got a plus accurate arm. Um, but you mentioned his body language, some of his kind of the intangible stuff that you have to have as a catcher and, and dealing with your pitchers at times has been lacking. And that's something that's gone back to a ball when he was in San Jose, we, we got some feedback from scouts and coaches and other players. There were some stories that were not particularly flattering about Joey Barton, kind of what you need from a catcher back there in terms of leadership attributes. But we do see players grow out of that. There has been a sense that once he gets to the majors as dealing with big leaguers, he'll learn real quick. What is kind of the, the outlook on that? Because that is a very, very important part of catching. And again, the physical ability is all there. This is just something that has come up many years in a row as something that needs improvement. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I could give you an answer there about what, what it's going to be. I mean, you're going to, you're going to tell me that this guy is going to be an opening day catcher on a team that won 107 games last year and the expectation that they will get back to the playoffs. You've got to be able to establish a rapport and work with your pitchers and have that, that sixth or seventh tool, depending on how, like how you want to classify health, between your ears. I mean, that tool that we're talking about, the ability to work with pitchers, is the reason a lot of catchers stick around in the big leagues for 10, 11, 12, 15 years uh, who might not be the best hitter or defender or anything like that. It's the ability to work with staffs. And these, are, these are the guys who become managers, quite frankly. Um, so I guess the answer is we could only wait, wait and see. I mean, I haven't spoken to Joey in probably a long, long time, but we'll see what he did over the off season. I and mean, you talk about him being young. He's 25. Um, so it's going to be an interesting, interesting heat check, I guess, to see how he does in the big leagues this year with that kind of staff, with those kind of expectations in what is essentially his first legitimate test as a big leaguer. Yeah, and again, physically, I think, you know, 230 to 240 with 20 to 25 home runs is an expectation a lot of evaluators have and a lot of people within the Giants organization have. And that's productive. That Heck, that's an all-star catcher offensively these days. And we mentioned the physical ability is there for him to be an above-average catcher defensively or maybe even a plus catcher depending on who you talk to. So physical ability is there. Big spotlight is going to be on Joey Barth this year, and, and we'll see how he handles it. And I do think that, yeah, I mean, it's something that's going to go a long way toward determining Again, I don't know if anyone should expect any team to win 107 games consecutive years, but for the Giants to again compete with the Dodgers for the NL West, having a, that presence back there is going to be a big part of that. Josh, moving back down to the lower levels, we established again that Mark Luciano is a clear-cut number one prospect in the system. Joey Bart, how close he is, the position, the ability level, came in as the number two prospect. But Luis Matos was one of the biggest risers in this organization. We first really started hearing the chatter about him in Structural League in 2020 in terms of league-wide chatter beyond just the confines of the Giants organization. Went out to San Jose this year and uh, really actually outperformed Luciano in a lot of ways. And 
look, I, I spoke to evaluators both inside and outside the Giants organization who said, honestly, if you told me you preferred Matos over Luciano, I wouldn't call you crazy. There's people who consider it a tie. Some lean slightly one way or the other. But this is another really, really good player. Which the Giants have here, and, and how much debate was there, you know, running him up maybe to number two or potentially even number one if you wanted to get really aggressive? Well, I wasn't going to run him at number one. I'm sorry. I'm not, not going to be that down on Marco again. First full season. Well, I think it's more up on Matos than down on Luciano. That'd have to be a huge joke. <laughs> Talking, you know, this guy looks like, insert unrealistic standard here. I'm not even going to say it. Um, but what they've got is a stud. I mean, the, the chatter in and out of that organization with the timeline you expect, or you, you referenced, could not have been louder. Like he was murdering people in the, well, in the instructional league. And I thought, and I've always said, like, what made it more impressive was because he was from Venezuela, during that shutdown, he was not allowed to go back home during the COVID stuff. And they weren't allowed to use team facilities, obviously. So this dude was in like, uh, the, the team hotel in Scottsdale uh, for however long, like five months or six months or whatever it was. I think he went to a batting cage, like an like actual like just where normal people go and put in a quarter and hit balls, batting cage uh, in that area. But other than that, he was kind of stuck for six months. Didn't come out fat, which 99% of people would have didn't come out out of practice, didn't come out anything like that. He just came out and raked. And that speaks to me to the makeup of the player. And he went out and showed it this year in uh, low A. I think I wrote a story about the numbers he put up, uh, considering his age and context were, you know, in line with a lot of very good baseball players who you may well know. <laughs> I won't say their names again, but um, man, he could be really, really good. I will say it again. If you are in the uh, Emerald Valley in Eugene, Oregon, go see this club. You are going to have Marco Luciano. You are going to have Luis Matos. You are going to have Kyle Harrison. You might have Jairo Pomares. You are probably going to have Will Bednar. You will probably get Matt Mikulski. You're going to get some guys on this team. And, you know, so, so super unbiased, but... Summers in the Pacific Northwest are better than summers anywhere else in the country. So there's my ad for the day. I'll take my Southern California summers on the beach, but <laughs> your point is taken. Um, yeah, no, he's a fantastic player being in San Jose. Last year, I got to see him a good bit when they came down on some road trips down here in Rancho Cucamonga. And yeah, uh, he's a really, really, really talented player that, that jumps out at you right away. It's a lot of loud, hard, impactful contact, uh, particularly against fastballs and good velocity fastballs, too. It wasn't beaten up on the, the mediocre stuff. They actually played a really good center field for me, too, which was impressive because you would hear people kind of say, maybe it's center, maybe it's a corner. Um, he's not a, a true burner. He's going to you know show you a 70 run time or anything, but... I uh, saw really good instincts off the bat, really good reads, covered a lot of ground, kind of played it pretty easy out there. It was, it was really impressive. You see the tools, you see some of the adjustability, um, you see just the swing overall. And I mean, there, there's a lot to like there. the bat speed. It, it seems like all the parts are there and now it's just continuing to put it together. And, and you add that makeup, that's come up a lot. This has a chance to be a really, really good player as he continues to mature. 
And again, Montos is a guy that a lot of people around the game expect could really shoot up our rankings and, and be a top 25 overall prospect this time next year. I think if he goes to high A and shows some of the growth that a lot of people expect, he absolutely could be and should be. I, I would be fully on board with that. Josh, you mentioned Elliot Ramos. I want to dial in on Kyle Harrison because you mentioned this organization lacked pitching for a long time. They've really tried to address that in the draft specifically. And Kyle Harrison is still the top-ranked pitching prospect in this organization, another talented young player at Loway San Jose last year. What were the reviews on his first full season? Uh, incredible. I mean, <laughs> dude's little command was a little loose, but the, the raw stuff is there. The analytics back it up. Dude struck out 14.3 per nine innings, 157, you know, Ks overall, ranked him among the best in, uh, in, in the minor leagues in general. I mean, that's everything you want from a high school left-hander in his first full season. <laughs> Again, the noise out of, out of Instructs two years ago was really loud on Matos, but it was really loud on Harrison, too. Like, it was a, a fairly easy call to make this guy the number one pitching prospect in the organization. Like, it might it might not be as safe as a guy like Bednar, but the ceiling is tremendous. I cannot wait to get a look at this guy. I mean, I'm just thinking about the Northwest League, not the High A West, the Northwest Northwest League. You know, you're going to get a chance to see this guy against Zach Veen um, in where do they play? Spokane. Uh, guys like uh, Davis and De Los Santos possibly with Hillsborough or Corbin Carroll with Hill, Hillsborough. You're going to get to see him uh, match up against some some premier talents in that league. Granted, it's a six-team league, but you know, you're going to get to see him against some uh, some guys who are going to, going to test him, and it's going to be really, really, really fun. Not that he didn't see some of those guys last year in the low A West. Yeah, again, a really, really impressive young player. That San Jose team was was as talented as any team in the lower minors last year. I, I, will, I will jump in and say. About a year ago at this time, I said I would sell my soul to go see that squad. (laughs) This year, I would sell my soul and a player to be named later to see Eugene. uh, And a soul to be named later. And I don't think I'll have to. I think I'll get them in July. But who knows who will still be there by then. Anyway. The good news is you don't have to sell any souls. You just have to go on a plane. So uh, it's a lot easier. The cost of a ticket lately? That is true. They're very expensive. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, I think with Harrison, I've talked about it. He was really, really impressive when I saw him at the area code games. It's that 90-92 with late zip, and now it's up to 96 with that same late zip. As he's added power, he's he's lost a little bit of the control. You mentioned the strikes could be a little scattered at times, but the talent's in there, and as he just dials that in, a lot of people think there's, there's a really good mid-rotation pitcher in there, and just as he continues to, to – gain more experience and, and dial in that control and that command a little bit. Uh, you certainly see the pitch mix, the physicality, and it's, it's a really good place to start for a young left-handed pitcher. Yeah. I mean, you said it. It's a really, really good place to start. And this year's going to be big for him too. He's going to face some better competition um, and, you know, onward and upward with him, I guess. All right, Josh. Well, this is a, a very exciting top five. And as we kind of mentioned, these top five prospects were all top 100 prospects to be a top 100. But depth is important as well. You don't want to just have a bunch of guys at the top and then fall off a cliff. And this organization does have some depth behind the top 100 guys. I want to dive into them a little bit with you. But first, we're going to take a quick break. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right, we are back with Josh Norris breaking down the San Francisco Giants farm system. Josh, we talked about this group of prospects top five or all top 100 prospects for us here at Baseball America. Uh, but as you move into the back half of this top 10, there are some pretty promising players. Uh, Will Bendar and Matt Mikulski, two very, very promising pitchers from the 2021 draft class. I want to hone in on Jairo Primaris a little bit, who you ranked eighth in the system. He's a young outfielder who statistically had one of the best years in the minor leagues last year, uh, crushed at low A, made his way up to high A, showed big power. What are the reviews on Pomeris? Because again, this is one of the more interesting cases of scouting reports don't always match up with the stat line and you have to kind of find the middle ground between them. Yeah, it was interesting. Entering the year, I believe Pomeris' biggest checklist was add power. And 40 doubles and 20, well, that's not, not this year, 27 doubles and 20 home runs later, he did that. The Giants weren't Super sure where that came from. That was a little surprise to them. I think I think I got some guys to admit that to me that they're pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, he's and he has to do that because he's not going to be a center fielder. Um, and right now, I guess the next step for him is swing decisions. Again, uh, you know, we talked about this before the podcast, but he got to Eugene. It's two sixty two with a two sixty nine on base, five oh five slug. So, you know, you need to you need to sw- you need to be a little more selective at what you swing at. There's a lot of guys, uh, there's a couple other guys in the system who are the same way. You know, we had a, an interesting conversation. There's two polar opposites, and I'm going to go tangent here, in this system, in Ishmael Munguia, or Munguia and Logan Wyatt. I recall a game where Munguia had four plate appearances and swung at every single pitch, um, whereas Logan Wyatt simply cannot be convinced to swing at most anything. He's a big hulking first baseman who is looking to walk first, second, third, and fourth. Um, and they are not shy about the fact that they are frustrated by that. So we, there's, a long, there's a philosophical conversation about which guy would you rather have. You obviously would rather have Ishmael Wyatt or Logan Munguia, but you know, it's got to be somewhere in the middle. And right now, Pomaros is kind of tw- trending toward Munguia in terms of swing decisions. You want to get him a little toward the Logan Wyatt kind of end of the spectrum. Yeah, it was interesting. I had a conversation with someone in the Giants organization about Palmeiras toward the end of last year, and I asked about him, and the way he described it was his approach to hitting is just swing. That's his approach is just swing. And and we saw that kind of get exposed once he got to high A, where you start facing guys with multiple pitches who can locate 33 strikeouts against one walk in 104 plate appearances. So there's no question, though, when he gets a mistake, he can hit it a long, long, long way. We're talking 450. Some people have even said 500 feet. And the swing looks good. I mean, there's a lot of things to like here. He's just got to be a little more selective, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, he's also 21. You know, he weren't 22 until... Wait, no. Yeah, he won't turn 22 until August. So, like a lot of these guys, I think I think the pandemic has wrecked our con our concept of time. Because it seems like guys like Luciano and Pomaris and other guys have been around forever, but they haven't. Like 
So he's last year was a really good year for him, but there's still a lot more work to do. Um, but it seems like it's taken him longer just because there was that layoff, if that makes sense. You know, I think that's the prevailing wisdom around the minor leagues. This year was going to be really interesting because you're going to have guys coming off of regular off seasons for the first time in a couple of years. And maybe the defense will be better than what you saw at the beginning of last year um, in a lot of organizations. But, you know, this will be a true year to finally see closer to the complete picture, I think, for a lot of guys. Yeah, one thing about Palmeiras that gives you optimism is he really, really improved base running and outfield play from where he was before to where he was last season. And one of the things that came up is, you know, he really put in the effort to be a a complete player and he showed he cared. He put in the work and and really made the effort and saw results. So I think that's where you see some problems. You say, okay, this is something he needs to address. And given what's in his track record, he showed he has the work ethic and mindset and will to address it and address it aggressively. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is someone that I wouldn't be shocked if we see him come out this year, much improved and, that he does shoot up lists. If he doesn't, then we might see him struggle a little bit against upper-level pitching. So I actually think he's going to be one of the most fascinating guys in the farm system to watch. Josh, one other guy in the system who coming into the year was really not on a lot of radars but had a breakout season was Ryan Murphy. Now the caveat again is we're talking about a college guy who did most of his work in low A, and generally speaking, you should always, always, always throw out numbers a college guy puts up in low A. But he kept it up after promotion to high A and uh, really got a lot of good reviews, both scouting-wise, player development-wise, opposing coaches-wise. What do the Giants have here in Murphy? I'm going to say the three words you're not supposed to say on this podcast or on television. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's a really interesting thing. Like, you talk about, you know, he carved at low A for sure. And he was a college guy. Yeah, but it wasn't like he's from LSU. He's from Lemoyne. At Josiah Gray, uh, the, the fighting Josiah Grays, you know? It wasn't like he's from this huge school and carved. And then he got to Eugene and continued to carve. At 48 strikeouts against eight walks in 31 innings, pretty darn good. He would have been the minor league's leader in strikeouts if he didn't, I think he missed one or two starts down the stretch with some sort of minor thing. Um, but he, you know, 164 strikeouts. If he continues on the path he was on, he would have been your minor league strikeout leader. That said, it's not like he's out here blowing 98 or 100 or dropping 80 grade hammers off the table or change-ups that fall through the hangman's trap door. I mean, it's, it's control of command of the strike zone. It's average or better pitches. It's just a guy who knows how to pitch. There's, there's a chance he could be a fringe big leaguer or there's a chance this is a guy with a true invisible or something. And he gets the big leagues and, you know, big up to the giant scouting department. Uh, for that kind of guy and analytics these days and pitch design and all that stuff will, will help you with, with uh, optimizing what you do have, you know, instead of trying to make something about what you're not, uh, if that makes sense. But I put him 10 because, you know, the system has gotten better, but I wasn't sure I didn't have a complete 10. I think I was, there was a lot of guys I was juggling, but man, it's hard to endure 164 strikeouts and 107 innings against 26 walks. I mean, when you're talking about a guy like that, you're usually talking like he has a trick pitch or something, but he does it. Or he's, you know, like he's God mode, but he wasn't that. He was just all reliable for, you know, nine, 10, 11 punch outs a game. So it's going to be really fun to see what he has this year at double A Richmond. 
you know, first house of the upper levels, a ballpark that's pretty good for pitchers. Um, he should, he should dominate in the beginning of the season because he's going to play in a lot of cold weather parks where dudes are not ready yet, but it's going to be really fun to see what Ryan Murphy, uh, become. I mean, a couple of years ago, we weren't talking about Caleb Killian and not certain, it's not the same kind of guy, but so yeah, Caleb in the fall league was a guy who moves it around and puts it on, a, you know, up a net's behind, uh, and <laughs> just kind of carves that same way. I mean, maybe this is that type of guy. It's fascinating. Good luck to him <laughs> the rest of the way, I guess. Yeah, three pitches, throw ball for strikes, move around the zone, and all three pitches are are, are solid pitches. I mean, you know, fastball's ninety ninety three, but it plays. You know, slider and change up each show you something. And one of the things I thought was interesting. Curve, you know, too, I, yeah, so I guess there's a fourth pitch. You know, one of the things that has come up is guys just don't square them up. It's a lot of foul balls. It's not a lot of balls in play, especially not a lot of hard hit balls in play. Just, you know, he's able to kind of just, he knows who he is. He pitches within that, moves the ball around, stays off of barrels. And there are guys who are successful doing that in the major leagues. So, uh, there's yeah. There's a curve for that. It's called pitching. Yes, there. Yes, no. It, it's going to be really interesting to see just how it continues to develop and, and how it continues to play moving forward. Josh, you mentioned that while the system does have some depth, I mean, you get into fifteen, sixteen. These are you know names and guys who do have real potential. How many guys would you say were slammed on top ten guys versus guys who were kind of in discussion? The first nine, and then were slam dunk top ten guys, and then. Uh... I think based on looking what I have here, it was pretty much between Murphy and Schmidt for number 10. Like I was not going to put Camilo Duvall at 10, like reliever for sure. Big leaguer, um, probably graduate this year. Yeah, definitely graduate this year. He doesn't get two games this year. Um, bad things have happened. Um, but you know, it was really those two guys, Schmidt. We talked about the issues with college players at low a, he came out, really scuffled to begin the year and turn it on at the beginning or turn it on toward the end to get it to more respectable, but this is a dude who can play a really good third base and has got some power. Um, Schmidt. Um, this year will be a big test. He's going to go to where I keep mentioning. He's going to go, you go to Eugene and be part of that super prospect club. Um, but he was, it was between him and Murphy and Murphy simply outperformed him. Understandable. I do want to ask about three first rounders who are in this system and what the current status is for these guys. Patrick Bailey, who was their first rounder in 2020, Hunter Bishop, who was their first rounder in 2019, and Will Wilson, who was the Angels first rounder in 2019 and the Giants acquired him shortly after. Where are these three guys right now developmentally and what are the outlooks for them? Uh, Bishop, your guess is as good as mine. He's played 48 games in the minor leagues in his career. Um, dealing with back injuries and COVID and shoulder stuff. And he's just needs reps, man. He came out in the fall league and was okay. And actually, you know, he was, it's just, the jury's still out on him. There's just, it, again, this guy's been around a while, but he just has not had much time on the field. And he was always risky to begin with because nobody's ever sold him that, that hit tool out of uh, that school in Tempe. I don't think either of us know about uh-huh uh, my alma mater arizona state yeah <laughs> and then we got the nc state boys here at the top uh or that you also mentioned will wilson i this is another guy i kind of use my term spicy vanilla you know he does 
some things. He, he does a lot of things okay. He doesn't do a lot of anything really flashy. He's probably not a shortstop. Might hit you a little bit. I mean, that's why I put a 45 on him, 45 high. I just, you know, he could be a fringe average big league regular. There's nothing that really jumps off the page about him. And with Bailey, you know, last year was kind of a lost year for him. Went to the Fall League too. Uh, but he had back issues and really scuffled in Eugene in the time he was there. Then he went back to San Jose and did what you're supposed to do as a guy from NC State in San Jose at MASH. But, you know, 185 in his time in Eugene with 43 punch outs and 135 at bats, it's not what you want. This guy was developed or developed, drafted as a guy who can be the, uh, the yin to Joey Bart's yang in the, in the uh, defense offense spectrum. But he did, the, the offense would be a bit of a bonus, but he uh, didn't show any of that. Uh, this year so I kind of gave him and he and Hunter Bishop get the most incomplete out of those two like I left him in the middle of the pack because you can't totally kill him after the weird weirdness of their career arcs and just the arc of professional baseball in general over the last couple of years but Wilson it's just kind of like you know I, I think he's an okay player um, and could be a solid big leaguer but not a star who are some guys in the back half of this system that do excite you? Uh, you mentioned those guys check in at 14, 15, and 16. Who are some of the guys maybe in that 16 to 30 range after them that are interesting or guys to keep an eye on? Uh, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go all for way, all the way from 16 to 17. Uh, <laughs> RJ Dabovich. This guy's fastball is superb. Another Arizona <laughs> State Sun Devil, I might add. There you go. His fastball uh, breaking ball combination is among the best in the organization. And I would be gobsmacked if he doesn't pitch and pitch in the big leagues this year, he is going. And if he does, he's going to be high leverage innings. Like, this is probably your next, they're not the same pitcher, obviously, but this guy could be pitching behind a guy like Camilo Duvall at some point. Soon. Like, it's that good of stuff. Um, who else? Um, Alexander Suarez is a guy that, I think if I had to do this list over again, I might've put him higher. He, uh, I believe is Matos's cousin, um, but he did, a re- he did a really good job in the Arizona Complex League this year uh, or this past year and should make his full season debut this year. But he put up some really good numbers and some really good tools. Uh, I think I probably aired putting him as low as I did. Say la vie. these lists always look yeah, I think if you did these lists over again, they might look completely different. Um, I know we always have rankers remorse sometimes on these things. Um, but they also have a pack of really intriguing relievers. I mentioned um, I mentioned Dabovich. Uh, Chris Wright, left-hander, throws uh, low to mids. Uh, really dominated with Eugene last year. Uh, struck out 55.6% of his hitters he faced last year, which I think is good. Um, and they're going to get him the first test of the, of the upper levels this year. Our first team all minor league selection for relievers last year. He, yeah, he was the best, most dominant reliever in minor league baseball last year. It was, it was really good. Uh, Randy Rodriguez um, with Loway last year, they thought enough of him to put him on the 40 man. And as our Jeff Pontus, um, notes his slider uh the way it grades metric wise is silly so there was a reason they put him on the 40 man and i'm glad that this lockout is over for many reasons but not not uh not small among them is the fact that this guy is going to get a chance to develop 
you know, if the lockout were still going, the minor leagues would happen, but 40-man guys wouldn't. So he would be stuck to de develop on his own for however long that lasted. But he's the guy who's going to get to probably go to say it again, Eugene this year and show what he can do at the end of games. It's going to be, yeah, you're going to go from Chris Wright to Randy Rodriguez and Eugene. Have fun. Um, yeah, those are the guys I really like. I mean, up, up top, we didn't mention Averson Arteaga, who put together a really good first year as a pro uh, in the ACL. Now, he should be a guy at low A who will uh, titillate the fans. Um, he's going to be a really interesting ball player. Eric Silva, uh, right-hander that the they drafted. Yeah, they, they followed the uh, Kyle Harrison playbook. They gave him a lot of money to sign away from a UCLA commitment. And uh, we'll see how he does in his first test as a pro. Um, yeah, there's, there's, I could do this all day, but it's a fun system. And those are the guys I really decided to keep my eye on um, and see some of these guys here in a week when I hit, head down to spring training. Oh, Manuel Mercedes, really good young arm, kind of intrigued guys last year in the ACL. Maybe another guy, like lottery ticket type of uh, Latin arm to look out for. And Cole Waits. Um, <laughs> I spent two weeks in the fall league. This guy was on my hit list. I didn't get him. Not once, which was kind of amazing. Um, every time I didn't see Scottsdale, he pitched. But uh, he struck out everyone um, <laughs> this past year at low A. Uh, he dealt with the knee surgery thing and then came back and just silly. Might be the best fastball in the organization. But uh, he's, he's nasty. He just has to have something else to go with it. But um, he's fun. Yeah, again, there's a lot of guys in the systems we talked about. You have five top 100 prospects, you know, the next five a group of players you could consider for the top 10. And then it just does stick out to me as you move down this list. Sometimes when you're making these lists, by the time you get to 22 or 23, you're, you're stretching. You're trying to find guys who have something, even though you realistically know they're never going to make it. And as I go down and look at who's, you know, number 29 on this list, or even some of the guys in your 31 to 40 range, there's something real there. Now, what is it going to be in the end? It, it, there's a lot of things that have to go right, but there is talent here. There's a lot of players in the system who have a chance to really become something. And uh, it's a nice mix of quantity and quality to go with a 107-win team in the majors. So things are certainly looking bright in San Francisco. I, I think there was a fair degree of confidence they wouldn't be down for long, but they've come up faster than expected. And, and just as we kind of wrap up here, from the outside looking in, Josh, I, I do think it is worth noting not that they're going to win 107 games again this year, but this is an organization that I do expect to be competitive really for the foreseeable future. I don't think we're going to be looking at last year. It'll just be a one-year fluke in, in hindsight a few years from now. No, I don't either. <laughs> They've proved over a couple of years that they can, I said at the top of this podcast, spin straw into gold. And I think they're starting to show it at the minor league level too, or in the, in the minor leagues as well. They have a lot of good things going for them. They've got smart people in the front office. They've got a talented group of scouts from a wide kind of range of knowledge backgrounds. They've got five top 100 prospects. They've got dude bubbling at the lower levels. It's a lot of good things that you want coming out of the San Francisco organization. Absolutely. And we look forward to seeing how it all comes together in 2022. Josh, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your insight as always. You're welcome. All right, everyone, that'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Mm -hmm.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.